Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Welcome to the OBR Newswire Podcast Friday Edition. This is your home for all things Cleveland Browns, delivered to you in a tidy little daily package. We got another fun episode for you guys, covering a wide variety of angles, and uh, I think you're going to like our guest today in the session that we are going to create moving forward. If you have not noticed, we have gone through each of the OBR staff members and uh, broken down, given them a chance to talk about what they do, what they have written about, the interesting angles that have come out, and we're going to continue to do that in the coming weeks and months, whether we have football or not. We're going to bring you different Browns angles all the time. We've got a tease of the uniforms today, right? The Browns put out a little video. looks like the helmets are staying the same in terms of the, the, the brown face mask, which has been a big point of contention. Those like I said, appear to be staying the same. Uh, they're going to probably throw back to, to more of the classic look, but keep some modern touches. I don't think it's going to be crazy. I just hope they get it right. Uh, Wreck the League uh, has been, or, or I think it's Wreck This League on Twitter, has done a great job with the mock-ups, and I put them on my Twitter page recently as 20 minutes ago as I record this late here on on Thursday night with, with just a really cool sort of modern flair and look to the uniforms. He's done a great job with those. I hope the Browns get it right again. I don't think this should be you know difficult. should be an easy task for them. People have been so scorned by these current uniforms that going back to the look that was before should be pretty easy with some modern touches. We're excited about that. Who knows? It could drop tomorrow. It could drop on the 15th, which is the date we originally heard. We'll, uh, we'll just have to keep our eyes out. They might capitalize on some Friday momentum, but uh, you know that's a big, uh, a big point of, of discussion right now in Brown's world. And then obviously a big point still going forward here is the draft, right? You know We're going to have as much conversation as we can have about the draft. I wrote, I don't typically do long form mock drafts. Uh, I've done a video that I put up on the Brown's Film Breakdown YouTube channel. I do with a couple of people, but I don't typically write on these things, but I did write and, and use Pro Football Focus's new simulator that does a nice tie-in with uh, you know, player positional importance and player performance, and that's how the mock works, and I think it does a nice job for the most part of, of, of getting players interested in, in teams that would be accordingly interested in and drafted there. So I used that. I wrote up a, a piece there. I made one trade within. I hope you guys can can go and read it and see what you think and give me feedback. I'm always open to that. I will try to do one more of those before the draft, try to write about it, do some different angles. It is it is very close. It is going to be an endeavor for everybody involved as there's so many uh, tweaks and, and, and different things that have to happen to make this thing go through virtually, but it's exciting, right? We're, we're under two weeks. Thursday here today was the two-week mark to the draft, and um, it'll be a fun opportunity to, to, to get our minds off of what's going on in the world, uh, focus back on football and, and to skate for a little bit, and then watch as the Browns have a big opportunity to improve their roster. And then again, find that mock drafts free read for anybody who wants to read it, and I hope you guys enjoy it. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get over to the betonline.ag hotline to our, to our guest. Again, that's betonline.ag using that promo code BLUEWIRE. Uh, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, all one word. You can get on betonline.ag, get a, a matched welcome bonus. 
when you put your money in, you can play 24 hours online, blackjack, poker, any of that's available. They have options for uh, Madden 20 simulation betting. They have uh, options to bet on the weather, the stock market, uh, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All of it is there. If you're looking for your, your fix in your gambling world, they have it for you. I trust betonline.ag when, when I'm betting on the NBA, the MLB, and college football, pro football, all of it. I, I, I trust them. It's who I go to. And if, if, you're, if you're looking for that opportunity to find the right match, again, go to betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Now we get over on the betonline.ag hotline with our guest. All right, guys, coming at you with Film Room Friday is what we're going to call this fun segment that we're going to do every Friday. Myself, John Stephenson, he's all over our uh, Orange and Brown pages doing deep dive film studies. He's, uh, he puts stuff out that's way over my head. So um, we're lucky to have him. I'm lucky he's, uh, he's able to join us here every Friday. How you doing, John? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Jake. Of course, of course. I want to talk to, about two players that the Browns have added defensively on, on uh, shorter deals here. Uh, more recently, I think these are guys that are going to be a big part of the defense, though, and, and two guys that you spent, spent time doing film study on. We'll start with Carl Joseph, right? Safety out of West Virginia. I know is a guy you loved coming out of college. Um, did not quite pan out the way I think Raiders fans would have hoped. And uh, I'm, I'm interested and curious sort of what you think about why that didn't pan out for him as a player. So um, Carl Joseph coming out of uh, West Virginia, he, um, if you go, if you, remember Twitter back in uh, 2016, um, he had, for those two months leading up to the uh, draft, there were just, um, there was clip after clip after clip of him just annihilating people, um, abusing his body. And uh, it seems like, at least to me, from what I've seen, and granted, I've, I've only um, watched his uh, 2019 season um, with any sort of detail, but um, lots, lots of the same issues he had in college, um, you know, we're seeing in the pro level here. So first, uh, the obvious one is his injuries. Um, he just, he can't stay healthy. He had issues staying healthy in college. He's had issues staying healthy as a pro. Um, I don't think he's come close to finishing a 16-game season. Um, and but that's that's you know what you expect with the way that he uses his body. He's just not a big guy. I think he maxes out at maybe 200, 205 pounds tops, and he just doesn't have that that sort of let up right before uh, he makes contact that, that most guys just have. It's that unconscious thing where they. For whatever reason, they just can't go 100% all the way through. And, you know, for good or for bad, he has it. Uh, just like the guy we talked about, Bob Sanders. Um, same idea, undersized safety. Um, you know, great, great skills. But just can't stay healthy because he just he just has that that grit. It's something that you admire. But on, on the other hand, um, you got to understand that these guys just tend to burn out very quickly because uh, their body just can't stand up to it. So, um, again, injuries and – he was, uh, from what I remember, he was never um, really touted as a, a true like, middle of the field, um, free safety type, like you'd see in a single high defense, like cover one or cover three. Um, his thing was more uh, sort of working, working in space underneath zones, uh, can play some man coverage, although that's been an issue as well uh, in Oakland. And I, he just, he's never really sort of, I think, like, chiseled out a specific role and I don't know how much of that is his you know his player profile his strengths and weaknesses and how much of that is based on um, the staff the schemes he's played in but from what I've seen it's uh, it's a it's just a little bit of both I don't um I don't I don't know if he's ever really had a chance to to shine in maybe a role that that, that truly truly um highlights the things he does well. Sure. well let's talk about that let's talk about what he does well so if he if he has a year that goes well for him, right? In Cleveland, they're hoping that he plays well. If he plays well, they'll keep him around. If he plays well, what are the traits that he brings to the table that could make 
you know, Joe Wood's defense better? And kind of like, where do you see – if he's going to have his, his, his strengths be accentuated here, where would you align him in this defense? Well, he is a, he's a strong safety all the way. Um, he can play some middle-of-the-field stuff, um, you know, play the post, again, in single high coverages. But, uh, you know, really working uh, sideline to sideline, that, that's just not his strength. He doesn't have a ton of uh, instinct back there. Um, he doesn't. He has he has good um, good hips, good change of direction, but it's not outstanding. It's not uh, you know the elite stuff or even above average. I think and you know what you see with an NFL free uh, safety. So um, I don't I don't think that um, that's he can do it when he needs to. Um, obviously, you can't just pigeonhole um, your safeties. Um, one being free, one being strong. They're going to have to you know drop down, play middle of the field based on formations. A lot to play deep and two high coverages. But um, he's a guy where you really want him, you know, more down towards the line of scrimmage. You want him in the scrum. Um, when teams come out and play the, with the tight ends, with the multiple running backs, he's a guy that you want near the line of scrimmage there, uh, mixing it up. Um, he's, he's pretty good at underneath zones. So when we're talking, um, you know, cover four, cover three, um, he's, he, he makes good drops. Um, he uses his body well. He has pretty good eyes. But um, he just doesn't – that he one, well, let me back up. He also has issues um, in that spot playing true man coverage. Um, from what I um, what I noticed 2018, what I was also told by some very smart people that uh, follow the Raiders, they said that um, early in the season he had a lot of issues playing uh, tight ends straight up, particularly in man coverage. And something I noticed too that was interesting is when I was going through there, I noticed he was always on the left side of the formation, um, so on the mm -hmm. defense's left side. And I couldn't figure out what was going on with that. Why did it feel like he was always on the left? So then I just skipped forward a couple of games and just randomly picked a spot, you know, five minutes left in the third quarter. And he's just, he was always on that left side. And the, the thing with that was I think, I think that teams figured that out, that he was only playing the left side. And for, for what reason, I do not know. Um, I haven't really gotten a satisfactory answer to that. But they determined that his – essentially if he was going to be a deep safety or play you know, some sort of rule near the line of scrimmage would depend entirely on, on the formation they saw. So I think what they would do is they would – they would come out with formations and they would, they would determine, okay, do we want him playing deep here, you know, middle of the field coverage, which isn't a strength, or do we want him, you know, down, you know, again, in the alley? Do we want him um, guarding tight ends and so on, essentially playing like a slot DB type role? And it, it felt like teams, teams abused that a bit. And I, I was told they got out of that later in the season. But um, – and, and he did start playing better if you look at his PFF numbers and really just, you know, watching the film. But I uh, – that was something interesting. I, I've never seen something like that before, where a player is just um, you know exclusively stuck to one side of the um, you know one side of the formation like that. It was it was something. Yeah, no, I, I could honestly say I've never heard of that either. I mean, I've heard of yeah. you know strong side, weak side stuff, but never continually, obviously, staying on on one side of the field. It's a little strange. Uh, almost like worth we need to maybe maybe need to ask somebody closer to Oakland staff if we can find somebody about why that would be. Maybe we could get an answer. Uh, yeah, but I, no, I listen. To. Yeah, he's he's going to play the run game with with effort. He's going to he's going to fly around. He's probably going to, you know, unfortunately be out of position in coverage a few times, but he's probably going to make some plays in coverage. You hope what you hope for and it's the same way that it was with Demarius Randall is that you find a guy who fits in the defense, is comfortable, is taught well enough, is coached up well enough to make more good plays than bad plays. He's not going to be a pro bowl safety probably. He's probably not going to be an all pro. Listen, these miraculous turnarounds happen. 
Uh, it could happen. They're hoping it happens. They signed him to a year deal, hoping something like this could happen. But based on injury history, you're just hoping to get enough out of him, good play out of him. I would say that, John, you still feel comfortable about taking a safety, even with Sheldrick Redwine, even with Sandejo, you probably still want to bring in a safety. And I could probably be talked into two safeties, um, you know, one relatively early in that, that second, third, fourth range, and maybe one later. You on the boat of, of, of trying to add a safety in this draft? Absolutely. They need another safety in that room. Uh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. I figured so. I just want to ask you. Then we'll, then we'll look at Adrian Claiborne, right? The, the, the uh, defensive end ad. Browns have been rumored to be around a lot of defensive ends. Um, some people thought with the signing here of Claiborne that you wrote about him, that it would eliminate them from maybe somebody of the bigger names, Yannick Ngakwe, who's, who's, uh, who's buzzed around the draft, and then and obviously Devion Clowney. I don't know where those two sit. It seems like there's some conversations going on, and uh, we don't know right now, but they do have somebody that they view as a rotational piece here, and that is Adrian Claiborne, right? The Browns have not had a real – I mean, you could say Carl Nassib was. Um, you know, I, I don't – I certainly think Carl, when he got, when he got cut by the Browns, he, he took himself to another level mentally. Passion, effort, all that translated in Tampa Bay. The Browns haven't had a real rotational edge of, uh, as a backup in a long time. It's sort of been just crossing your fingers and hoping that the edge depth can help out and hold down for guys that, that start. Adrian Claiborne's going to bring that role to Cleveland for the first time in a while. Talk, talk to the, the fan base here first about, he lines up the same position as, as Miles Garrett. So if, if, if he's on the field, Miles will be off the field or they'll bump Miles inside or to the opposite side. Miles has solid pass rush stats as a left defensive end. Um, he can handle, I mean, Miles is talented enough to go anywhere. They can get really creative here. But Claiborne's a right edge, uh, a right defensive end. If you're looking at it from the quarterback's alignment, he's on the quarterback's left side. That's where he's most comfortable. And, and there's a reason behind that, right, John? Yeah, so he, uh, he was born with a, a nerve condition. So something happened um, during his birth. Um, apparently, he, somehow he was injured by the doctor. I don't know the details exactly, but he has a, a nerve condition um, in which his, uh, the right side of his body is stronger than the left side of his body, particularly um, upper body from what I understand. So stronger, you know, stronger right shoulder, stronger, you know, chest, tri, by all that. So um, he's, uh, yeah, he, he rushes almost exclusively from that side. That's just where he plays. Fascinating. I, I, I don't know yeah. that I've ever heard of this, um, but you know, this guy's carved out a nice career. Tampa Bay comes out, goes to Atlanta, finds a place in Atlanta for a long time, takes a one-year hiatus and wins himself a Super Bowl in New England. Uh, goes back to Atlanta, uh, loses a really unfortunate Super Bowl to that same mm -hmm. New England team. But the good part here is you get a guy who's a veteran presence, has been around winning cultures. I don't know about leadership. He may be a leader. He may not be, but he's at least been around leaders and winning uh, environments. And I think that's important to have guys like that if they bring in the right attitude with them, that they're not above people, that they can bring people up to them, right? That thermostat leader instead of uh, a thermometer leader, however that phrase goes. But I think it's, I think it'll be fascinating to watch him. So when he wins, if he's, if he's, I think he's the type of guy who can really impact like two or three games on the schedule. Like he comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he, he really destroyed Carolina last year, right? He had some really impressive uh, yeah. numbers in those two Carolina games where it's like, okay, this guy swings a couple games on the schedule. You go from a, an eight and eight to a 10 and six all of a sudden, if he can swing a couple games with, with three or four pressures in a sack and a strip or something like that, when he wins, John, what is he doing most effectively to beat, uh, to beat tackles? So Claiborne's a guy that's going to win with his strength. He, uh, he, he isn't a guy that's going to bend the edge. Um, he, he never has been. Even uh, if, you go, if you go back to Google and check his, uh, his profiles coming out of Iowa, um, you'll see that uh, one, of the, one of the things that most of the uh, evaluators hit was that he's, uh, he, he just doesn't have elite, uh, elite hips. He doesn't have um, you know, that elite fluidity that you get with guys like Miles that, can, uh, that are the threats to bend the edge uh, every single time. So he, he just doesn't have that, that superior athleticism to turn the corner like that. So when he wins, he's going to win by coming straight at you. He's, uh, he's strong as an ox. 
when you uh, you put on the film and you watch his his hands, particularly when you see his punches hit, you you see the offensive linemen, you know, the guards and tackles just fly back. It's um, it really uh, it jumps off the screen at you. And I, I did post a couple examples of that in the uh, the film study we released last week in the tap room. So uh, it, it's there. But everything is built off of uh, you know coming straight at you, you know, really solid punch, and then uh, his counters are more around. Um, kind of in and out. So I call him away is when you step in, you step yeah. outside or step outside, step in. But he, he's not someone that, that's, that's going to try and, you know, swim, rip outside and uh, just try to beat you around the edge. He, he doesn't do that. Yeah. Well, what's fascinating, right, is you, you're a left tackle. You're facing Miles Garrett most of the day. Miles finally leaves the field. You might be able to take a breather. And then you got Bull Rush Claiborne coming at you out of nowhere. So it's like if you can wear a team down and then let Claiborne finish, right, and be an effective rusher off that left side using bull moves and he's powerful and he's, he's playing 20, 30 snaps a game, that's a good recipe from, uh, you know, for, for winning football. And I think that's what's going to be fun. I mean, most of the teams in, across the NFL at this point in Claiborne's career know who he is, but it's different, right? When he doesn't have to start a game and play a ton of snaps and he can just sort of pick and choose his spots, he could be – it could be a really tough matchup late in games, and I'm really excited to watch that. So, um, you know, between John and I, guys, we, we've covered almost everybody. We've gotten to Janovich. We've gotten to, we've gotten to Hooper. We've gotten to um, B.J. Goodson. We've gotten the, these two studies that we have here in Joseph and, um, and, and Claiborne, and then I wrote on Conklin. Anybody you want covered, we've got you so far. We've got them all up, and I'll put links to these in the, in the description here in the article today that covers these. You can find any of those in there. If you're not a subscriber, you need to subscribe because you can figure out the, the information about these guys. You know, Claiborne had the, the fifth highest pass rush, rate, pass rush win rate, according to Pro Football Focus. That's the stuff that we're going to tell you, and we're going to show you examples of how he's doing that. we got to get to two. got to get to Sandejo and Kevin Johnson between the two of us. We will get there, and that'll cover everybody that they have added. Then once the draft hits in two weeks, we're going to cover all of those guys with All-22 film on them. So make sure you're following John All-22 Chalk Talk on Twitter. Fantastic stuff all year round. Um, he's going to be taking the reins of a defense again, so he's going to be a busy man. But uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll dominate the the Friday Night Lights, right? And then he'll get, he'll get back in here on Sunday. But, uh, um, no, this will be fun. We'll try to get as many of these film room things as we can. His season gets busy. We might have to, to jump around days that we do it. But the film stuff is fun. I think it's what separates us here at the OBR. So um, follow along if you can and, and subscribe with us if you can too. So, John, thanks for taking time, Bob. Hey, thanks for having me, Jake. All right, guys, that is a wrap for Friday's episode. Hope you enjoyed the film room session. We will do as many of those as we can with John before his season gets going crazy. Uh, who knows? Hopefully there is football season for high school and college and the NFL and all that stuff. We'll deal with that later. But for now, his preparation is busy and we can steal a couple minutes from him. That's a nice thing. So big thank you to John. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, All22ChalkTalk, and uh, following his film room studies that he does for us at the OBR. They're great great pieces that you can learn a lot of football from. So I hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you've enjoyed this first week of the OBR Newswire. Hope you tell your friends. Hope we get as many subscribers as we can. Leave us a review. Give us five stars if you can. Or, you know, leave whatever review you feel is necessary for the situation. But we would love five stars. We always appreciate that. A subscription would be great as well. So everyone, again, have a great weekend. And as usual, go Browns.